I'm going to read out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. And I want to talk to you this morning about the sign. The scriptures say that, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. We know that word Emmanuel means God with us. The prophet Isaiah also describes in chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. God's given his people a sign a sign that you can look to for answers and you can be that great sign for others so they can get answers out of you because of what you have on the inside. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. We're trusting you to give us the great sign of the coming of your son and the sign of your son being on this earth. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's men and women said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas and you can be seated. Awesome. I I thought about wearing my sweater, but mine was going to be Happy Hanukkah with the menorah on it that lights up. But I thought that's going to be distracting, so I won't do that today. But I'm so thankful to have you here this morning. I want you to realize everything in life you're given signs for. The sign of, of holiday changes, seasons change. Christmas is upon us, whether we want it to be or not. How many of you have done all of your shopping? Let me see your hand. Okay, a few of you. How many of you have shopping to do? How many of you are re-gifters? Don't raise your hand. Just remember, write down the person that gave you the gift so you don't give it back to them the next year. I did that before, and it's not good. I, I re-gifted the same gift back to the one that gave me the gift. And it wasn't very nice of me to do, so learn from the pastor's mistakes. There's something about holiday seasons that either gets people kind of discouraged or gets them excited. I, for the first time ever, first time ever, I've never in the history of living on the planet ever lit up our house. But we recently moved, and so we have neighbors now, and so we have these neighbors. And I noticed the neighbors started putting up lights. And so I started looking at their lights. I'm like, that's eh, okay, it's okay. And then all of a sudden, I found myself at the, at the department store, and I saw all these inflatables and lights, and something dawned on me. Those neighbors are not going to outsign me. I'm going to light it up. And so I found myself competing against my neighbors, but there was a problem. They didn't even know we were in competition. And so I see my neighbor, Alfredo, he's putting up his lights and I'm like, Alfredo ain't getting the best of me. Come on, let's go down to the store, Lily. Let's buy some more inflatables. How big can we get frosty? How big can I get the manger scene? Can I get like a a 50,000% light up? And so I found myself getting overwhelmed with wanting to light up our our house with the sign, the sign of of our festivity that we believe in Christmas at the Stillman home. We still say Merry Christmas and we'll give you a Happy New Year and a good good old-fashioned Happy Hanukkah. We believe in the sign that the Son of God has come. Christmas has come upon us. And for many people, it's where Santa Claus comes down the chimney and your money goes down the drain. 
reminds me of speaking about Santa. I read this some time ago. This is according to the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. While both male and female reindeer grow antlers in the summer each year, male reindeers lose their antlers at the beginning of each winter, unusually late, unusually late November to mid-December. However, it said female reindeers retain their antlers until they give birth in the spring. Therefore, according to every historical rendition depicting of Santa's reindeer, every single one of them, from Rudolph to Blitzen, had to be a girl. You know, we should have known that, right? Only a woman could drag a fat man around in a red suit all over the world in one night and not get lost. Women, can I get a witness? (laughs) It's true. It's so true. But Christmas is about a sign. A sign, more than presents and parties and productions. It's really a sign that there was going on on the planet spiritual warfare. The Bible says, for this cause came Christ into the world to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to this earth in an invasion, but he didn't come as a sultering soldier in a horse with a sword in his hand. He came through the womb of the virgin in Bethlehem's manger, a stinking cave with gut-wrenching odors of cattle, donkey, and sheep. He came to this earth through that womb as a baby. In the genesis of time, we have to realize Satan had geographical dominion over many parts of the universe, and earth was his dominion. He had geographical authority over the earth. How do we know that? Because we know it when Jesus was on this earth, Satan said, if you bow down to me, I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. Friends, he had those kingdoms to give. He had geographical authority. But when Jesus came to this earth in the womb of that virgin through Bethlehem's manger, it was God's invasion in Bethlehem. It was God's invasion in Satan's territory. That's why it was Emmanuel. Now he's with us, becoming flesh. Jesus Christ came to this earth not because he needed us. He came to this earth because we desperately needed him. He is that bright in the morning star. He is the fairest of 10,000. He is our savior, healer, baptizer, and deliverer. That's why this is a story of redemption. The angel spoke to Mary on that first Christmas morning and said, thou shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Jesus did not come to give you a sign to install Santa Claus. He came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. I have wonderful news. Just as certainly as he came, the sign in the manger the first time, he's coming back the second time. The first time he came, he was the little baby in the manger, but the next time he comes, he's coming back as Messiah. The first time he came, he wore a crown of thorns, but the next time he comes, he's wearing crown upon crown upon crown because he's King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The first time he came, he was dragged before Pilate like a lamb to the slaughter, but the next time he comes, all will be coming before the carpenter of Calvary. Presidents will bow. Prime ministers will bow. Kings and queens will bow. The young the old will bow. All knees will bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let the whole world rejoice. There is a Savior. There is a soon coming King. His name is Jesus and there is no other. Can I get a witness this morning? I think it's important to know because 
there's something to be said about this holiday seasons. People start talking about Jesus that really didn't mention him throughout the year. But you know, the holidays come, people start saying good tidings, seasons, greetings. And then you hear these political pundits start talking about Jesus and they start mixing it in their political argument. You know, Jesus would have never did this and my Jesus would have never did that. But who is Jesus to you? And if I was to sit down one-on-one with each of you this morning, what is the sign that the Messiah has come? To many people, when they talk about this, they say, well, we know that Jesus was a good teacher. Listen, he is either Lord or he is liar. He is not just a good teacher. He talked about two dividing sides. One is light and one is darkness. He talked about two people, one person being kind of a person that's disconnected, being a, being a, a tear and one being a, a wheat. He talked about two builders, a wise and a foolish. He talked about living your light in the, in the, the brightness of this coming or living life in the darkness of this world. He talked about two types of churches, that one church was hot and the other church was cold, but he didn't want the church to be lukewarm or you would be spewed out the mouth. So he's not just a good example. He is either who he said he was, the Lord of all, the sign of his coming, that the Messiah was coming to save mankind, or he's a liar. Jesus Christ is either who he said he was, or he's an absolute liar. And people say, well, you know, he's just a good example. I heard a political pundit the other day on television say, man, Jesus, he was a good example. But friends, good examples don't mingle with prostitutes and sinners. If Jesus had an Instagram today, he would have pictures filled upon it, not with, let me take a selfie. He would have pictures with overwhelming sinners, people that have been down and out, people that have been up and out, people that you never thought that Jesus would have associated with. His, his Instagram would be full of sinners and hurting and disenfranchised people, people who you would never think that would have a relationship, but that's who our God is. Some say he's a crazed fanatic, but fanatics do not attract men of intellect like Luke the doctor or the apostle Paul, one of the most brilliant men of his era. Some say, oh, Joey, what, what Christ was, he was kind of a religious phony, but phonies don't rise again on the third day, just like they said they would. Some say, well, Christ is a myth, but friends, myths do not give their flesh and blood to be crucified. To the weary, Jesus is wonderful. To the confused, he is the counselor. To the weak, he is the mighty God. To the orphan, he's the everlasting father. To the troubled, he is the prince of peace. He's altogether lovely. He's altogether worthy. He's the son of the living God. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Sidkenu. He's got a name, a sign that's above every name, the son of the living God. I think about that a lot because there will always be people that are looking for signs. But I want to tell you one of the greatest signs is found in Luke 137. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Let's say that together. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. That's a sign that you're connected to the real Jesus, that you live your life without limits, with impossibilities becoming your reality. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. 
impossible. That means in your marriage, nothing's impossible. He can restore that broken, distracted, disenfranchised marriage. With your troubled children, God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Nothing's impossible with God. With your finances, I know you may be broke, busted, and disgusted, but God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. Nothing's impossible with your health because he is still the great physician. Nothing's impossible with what you're going through because God could make a way where there seems to be no way. He is the everlasting God. Nothing's impossible. See, that's a great sign because when you're talking about a sign this morning, a sign means he's above all others because of his accomplishments for what he has done. Do you know when high sounding titles are given, they're really given to gratify men and women's ego and vanity. You think about that when somebody gets accolades and they get, they, get, they get some type of recognition. They're really given sometimes, most of the time, to gratify ego and gratify vanity. A high-sounding title that earthly commanders give, they're really given in the wrong measure. We read in history about Alexander the Great, a high-sounding title for a man who was a warrior, but we read how he couldn't conquer himself. And he dies at the age of 33 with a wretched disease. He has a great name, but his life ends horribly. Because the Bible tells us it's the day that we are born and the day that we die. But there's something called the dash in between. And the dash in between, it's not how well you start, but it's how you finished. It's how you finish. How will you finish with what God has given you, the sign that he's given to you and to your family. I think about Herod the Great. He's got a name, Herod the Great. Why was Herod so great? Because he was an intellectual uh, marvel. He can engineer things that are so overwhelming that architects tell us to this day that his level of understanding of engineering even baffles some to this day. Some of his structures, if you go to the Middle East, are still standing thousands of years later. Herod, he's great. He's got a lofty title, but he's a cold-blooded killer. He demands that his only son be killed on the day he dies so Israel would have a reason to mourn. He has a lofty title, but today he screams for mercy in the abyss in a place called hell. But friends, there's one that walked across the stage of human history. He was born out of the womb of a virgin in Bethlehem's manger. It was not an immaculate conception. It was truly a virgin birth, born out of the womb of a virgin, and his name is greatly to be praised. His greatness knows no measure, and it knows no limitations. There's one. He walked across this stage, and he says, I am the great I am. He's called the great physician. He's called the great shepherd, the leader, and the defender of his sheep. There was never another in human history that was born out of the womb of a virgin, but Jesus was. There was never another in human history that was the savior of men, but yet was crucified by men, but Jesus was. There was never another in human history that was dead and was buried and rose again on the third day, just like they said he would, but Jesus did it. Friends, you can go to the tombs in the Middle East of 
of Abraham. They'll tell you where his bones are laid. You can go to the tomb of King David there in Jerusalem, and they'll tell you where his bones are laid. But I've been to this place called Calvary, and I've been to this place called the tomb, and I've seen millions of people, not personally millions, but I've seen hundreds of people block by block line up to visit this tomb. But the difference between this tomb and other tombs, this one's empty. He's gone. He's risen. He sits by the right hand of God the Father with power and great glory. He's called in Scripture the sign incarnate wisdom. But yet when he was on this earth, the sign was he was a fool. He was called the living truth. But the church says he was a liar and a heretic. He was a son of God in the Scripture. But the church says he was a devil doing miracles by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. He's a lion and the tribe of Judah in the scripture, but yet he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was a king, but yet he's crucified and he's hung with criminals. He spoke with utmost authority, but yet on the day of his execution, the prophet Isaiah prophesied it again. He opened not his mouth to defend himself. There was never another in all of human history that poured all the rivers and all the oceans and all the the streams. They were poured from the crystal chalice of eternity's morning. But yet on the day of his execution, he's hanging between heaven and earth, suspended between two thieves, one on the right and one on the left. And he screams, I thirst, I thirst. The creator of all the water on this earth is now saying, I thirst. Why? The sign is given. He is our joy. He is our redeemer. He's precious to us today. First Peter 2, 7 says, unto those who believe, he's precious. To unbelievers, he is anything but precious. But to us today, as in this house, we believe he is precious. The sign has been given. We look unto him, the author and the finisher, and his name is a saving name. The angel told Mary, you're going to call his name Jesus for he's going to save his people from their sin. Friends, what does it mean to be saved? It doesn't mean that you get baptized in water. It doesn't mean you join the church. It doesn't mean you do good works. It means that you publicly confess Jesus as the Savior and Lord. Jesus said the sign will be this. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. Jesus said the sign will be this. If you're ashamed to confess me in front of men, I'll be ashamed to confess you in front of my Father in heaven. Salvation is for those who believe. The Bible says to he that believeth have life and he that believeth not is dead already. That's why you got to be born again. The sign that you believe that baby in the manger and you know he sits by the right hand of God the Father. You receive him as your own and you're born again. That's why his name is a saving name. Isaiah 45, 22 says, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. Friends, the ends of the earth are not talking about people geographically removed from God. It's talking about people spiritually removed from God. It says, look unto me and be saved. That means no matter what background you've come from, no matter what life has thrown your way, no matter what culture you've come from or what what opportunities you've missed or you've captured, it says, you look unto me and I'll give you the sign. And my sign will be the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous can run into it, and they can find safety and find strength. Friends, can I tell you today, the strong tower will break any stronghold. 
the strong tower will break any strong hold you or your family may have. I want you to hear that today because the sign of his coming tells us that the strong tower can break the strong hold. Jesus said something amazing to you and I today. He says, when you receive me, I start to receive you and you become my witnesses unto me. You become the sign, the sign of my return, but the sign that I came and I conquered and the sign that I gave back. And many of you don't realize because you've looked to the wrong things. You've looked to man and man will let you down. You've looked to religion and religion, religion will bind you up. You look to relationships only to be flattened by miscommunication and betrayal. But friends here today, I'm telling you the sign of his coming, he will never let you down. He is above all others because of his accomplishments. The sign of his son is he's precious and the sign of his return that he's a savior and he is a strong tower. Run into it today and find safety and find strength and break every stronghold.